Welcome to Once Upon a Disney, an analytical yet fun-loving look at Disney narrative filmography from the 20th century. I'm Larry Brenner, and I'm here to find the where's and why's and who's. All right, folks, today it's another mini-episode, uh, this time taking a look at the Disney afternoon TV series Chippendale's Rescue Rangers, which I will confess bored me as a child. But part of the reason it may have bored me as a child, I thought, was because Batman the Animated Series was on a different channel, and there is no way... I love Disney, you guys. You know I love Disney. And in, and in general, my love for Disney and Batman may rival one another, but my love of Batman versus Chip and Dale, which one I want to see taking down crime, it is a no-brainer decision. I always went for Batman. And part of what I thought was, look, Rescue Rangers just had a brand new re-release movie. Maybe I didn't give it a fair shake when I was a kid. And I thought it might be fun to go back and, and take a look at Chippendale's Rescue Rangers and see, you know, maybe it's a gem. Gummy Bears was a gem. Uh, DuckTales was a gem. Maybe, maybe this was too. Spoiler, it was not. Uh, it bored me as a child. It bored me more as an adult. And we'll get it, we'll get into that. But I, I know every once in a while I tackle the Disney afternoon and people who are like wearing their like Chippendale underoos under a Chippendale blanket get upset with me. So I'm just going to tell you, if you're expecting me to come away from this loving it, I actually journaled how I was feeling as I watched this. And it is a descent, you guys. Um, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's start off with some key facts. All right. So Chippendale's Rescue Rangers. The original idea was to do a rescuer series with Bernard and Bianca. And every week those two mice would go and they would rescue, you know, like a child. That's that's what, you know, the, the rescuers do. But they were Disney was presently making the rescue the rescuers down under, or whatever it is. The one where they go to Australia. I think it's the rescuers down under. And the thought at the time was we can't use those characters in a TV series because we're doing a movie with those characters. I don't understand that at all. That has that logic does not track. It seems to me the perfect time to launch a Rescuers TV series. It at the same time that you're doing a Rescuers movie, you use one project to to create synergy for the other project. If they love one, they'll follow you to the other. I don't have a deeper explanation for this other than it may be that sometimes, like, you know, inside Disney, different people, like, lay claim to characters. And so, like, the Disney TV people said, hey, we want to use Bernard and Bianca. And the Disney movie people may have said, hands off, we, we got here first, we called it. Uh, and maybe, maybe the moral of the story is sharing. Maybe it's about sharing. Maybe that's what we learn. Because I didn't learn writing, I'll tell you that. All right, I'm I'm in a mood, you guys. I I'm in a mood. So, all right, so they've got a project that's supposed to be the rescuers, but they can't use the rescuers. So then they fish around and they say, "Hey, we've got other who other characters who are small, 
rescuer-sized. Let's use Chip and Dale. And, and this explains everything to me. Because it wasn't that they made a TV series for Chip and Dale. They made a they made had a concept for a TV series, couldn't get the characters that they wanted, and then tried to shove Chip and Dale into the Bernard and Bianca role. Uh, I'm gonna talk more about this a little bit later, but I will say, if only there was some other mouse-sized character uh, who may be versed in doing detective work, who might naturally be the sort of person who would solve a case every single week. That that mouse detective show might be great, you guys. It might be great. But but they went with Chip and Dale and and fine. That was the decision. So Chip and uh Chip and Dale's Rescue Rangers start airing in the spring of 1989. Uh but in fact, we don't get their origin story until the second season in later that fall. And that's actually what I'm going to focus on here. There's a five-part origin story of the Rescue Rangers called Chippendale's Rescue Rangers, colon, Rescue Rangers to the Rescue. Yeah, perfect name, no notes. If I'm coming in a little snotty, and, and I apologize for that, you have to know that I'm wrong here. Because Chippendale's Rescue Rangers is a hit. It gets 65 episodes, which is like the magic number for syndication back in the day. They hit the 65 benchmark and they're done. So, so it accomplished everything it meant it was meant to accomplish. There is uh all sorts, all sorts of Chippendale Rescue Rangers like merchandise at that time. If you go to Disneyland, I believe you can still go on uh, Gadget's roller coaster in Toontown, uh, which which it's amazing to me that that still exists. And of course, you know, very recently they went back to this property to make a movie. So let's talk about Chip and Dale's Rescue Rangers colon Rescue Rangers to the rescue. And so we're getting an origin story. We're getting a story about how Chip and Dale decided to start fighting crime. And we begin, as we always do, with the Manish Tana. Why does this TV series begin where it begins? And where it begins is it begins with a couple of characters, not Chippendale. It begins with a human detective. His name is Donald Drake. And his dog, Plato. And do you get it? Donald Drake, his dog, Plato. Um, I kind of like that joke. I like that joke. If only those names actually had something to do with the characters. I I, I think that might be an even better joke. Uh, but fine. They are going to chase down a thug. And Chip and Dale are kind of along for the ride because they are Plato and Donald Drake's biggest fans. Obviously, the dog can see Chip and Dale. He's taken on sort of like a mentorship. He's their hero. Donald Drake does not know that there are rodents in his car. Uh, humans will never see Chippendale, and that's fine. Uh, Chip and, uh, they watch Donald Drake and Plato bust this thug, and then stuff happens. There's an even, evil villain named Clordane, and Clordane has an evil cat named Fat Cat. Uh, and... 
basically what happens is this. Donald Drake is apparently the one competent cop um, in the police department. And everybody else is a moron. And when, I, and when I say that, I really want you to think of the Looney Tune like, guard at the gate sequences whenever Daffy Duck tries to get into Hollywood. The one who's always like, you know, like that, that kind of guy. That is, in this world, 99% of the police force, with the exception of Donald Drake, who's set to retire. But Dane has framed Donald Drake by putting this precious ruby in Donald Drake's jacket, which immediately gets all of the police officers to make the one arrest they have ever made in their lives, uh, and Donald Drake goes to jail. And Plato, who is upset about this, kind of acts up because he knows his his partner slash owner slash, I don't know, uh, is innocent. He is chained to something and he can't go clear his name. And Chip and Dale say, hey, we'll take this case. And Plato's like, but you're a couple of chipmunks. But Chip and Dale, they've been, they've been listening to Plato's stories all these years. They swear they can handle it. Meanwhile, Fat Cat and Claudine have the ruby. So even though they framed the detective for stealing the ruby, they actually stole the ruby after they framed him. Okay, fine. And now Fat Cat is like, you know what? My master is planning to use this ruby for his nefarious scheme, but maybe I can borrow the ruby to do my own nefarious scheme. And he takes the ruby out on a night on the town. Chip and Dale find Fat Cat at a bar where Fat Cat sings what is arguably the worst Disney song I have ever heard a Disney villain sing. It is terrible. He sings a song about how he wants to do the, he wants to have the best of everything. And this is the only song in the five-parter. Uh, it is dreadful. But as Chip is trying to steal the ruby back from Fat Cat, Dale gets distracted because he hears the song and he wants to sing and dance too. So he gets up and starts dancing with Fat Cat. I want to point out Chip could Chip successfully gets the ruby, but Dale who gets carried away with the dancing bumps into Fat Cat and Fat Cat notices Chip stealing the ruby. Um and at this point I write down in my notes I am reasonably certain I am going to hate this. Uh, everything could have been done, but Dale is just a moron. Uh, like, this song is terrible, but Dale feels the music in his heart, I guess. He's got one job. I'm thinking, Chip, you need to fire Dale. Ch two chipmunks is too many for, for this task. One chipmunk might have been enough. But fine. We're trying to set up Chip and Dale as, like, foils for each other. Okay, we'll come back to that point a little bit later. That's part one. Part two. So Chip just stole the ruby, but Fat Cat got the ruby back. And now Fat Cat has his own plan. And he goes to the local cats. 
And I should have done a racist roundup because these cats are essentially those funny, funny Asian cats, much like the Siamese cats from Lady and the Tramp or or the Asian cat from the Aristocats, that funny haha accent sort of grotesque caricature. And here's where I wrote down Graydon ran away from from the show at that particular point never to return. And you guys, I wish he took me with him. I wish he did. Uh, we have made a right turn into racist caricatures here. Uh, and it's not like I had a lot of goodwill already that I'm willing to just like buckle up for the ride. Uh, fine. It's not fine. It's terrible. It's terrible. But his plan is to take the ruby to these two Siamese cats in order to get control of the of a fighting fish. That fighting fish can be used to take control of the harbor and all the fish. And if you control all the fish, you control all the plant all the all the cats and thus building up his criminal empire. Uh okay. We also meet on the boat we meet two more characters who are going to be rescue rangers. We meet Monterey Jack and Zipper. And these are original characters. Um, and at first, Monterey Jack doesn't really want to join up with Chippendale because he's a loner. He goes from port to port, traveling the world. But he doesn't really have a home or a family besides the bug that he hangs out with named Zipper. Uh, that's part two. Then we get to part three, where we meet Gadget. And when Chip and Dale meet Gadget, they immediately fall in love with her, or at least in lust with her. Uh, it's, it's a love at first sight, which raises a lot of questions for me, because they are chipmunks, and she is a female mouse. Monterey Jack is a male mouse, and is not interested in in gadget but these two look guys i i am open your heart wants what your heart wants right and if if they're but interspecies chipmunk mouse stuff is a hard pill for me to swallow when we're supposed to be pretending that this world of chippendale's rescue rangers exists within our real world. We just don't notice it. In the same way we don't notice how Woody and the toys in Toy Story have their own stuff going on. Uh, but they are both attracted to this female mouse. By the way, she shows no interest in them romantically. And we get the sense that she's like, you know, she doesn't pick up on social cues, which I like. Uh, Gadget, by the way, I'm going to tell you right now, she's the best character in the bunch. She's an inventor. And because Chlordane's scheme requires them to trap the bad guys to travel to, I believe, the North Pole, the, the rescue rangers don't have a way of getting there. But Gadget makes a plane out of like rubber bands and like other household objects. And they they fly the plane to the North Pole where we meet another villain, the Professor Nimnull, Chip and Dale managed to get the ruby back from Professor Nimnull and Fat Cat. Part four. 
Professor Nimnol and Fat Cat get the ruby back for like the third or fourth time from Chip and Dale. And I realize that sometimes when I take on these projects, when I'm when I like commit to like making a podcast or watching the Disney afternoon, the completionist part of myself is is sometimes self-flagellating. I do myself injury. It is the fifth time that Chippendale, that this Ruby has gone back from the bad guys to the good guys, from the bad guys to the good guys, from the bad guys to the good guys. And it's just, it's just endless. It's just endless. You can't keep doing that plot point. And yet, and yet Rescue Rangers does. So they get the Ruby back. Everybody goes back to the city for part five, where Clordane's master plan is revealed which involved using the ruby to cut ice from the glacier, bring that ice to the city, where he's got a massive stockpile of lime jello. And he's going to take this glacier ice and the lime jello to make the world's biggest uh, jello dessert, and then shake it around a lot which will then trigger an earthquake, which will allow him to, to, you know, rob the bank. I get, I don't, guys, this plan is, this plan is bananas and not, not in a fun way, not in a fun way. Be, like Wiley Coyote buys something from Acme and we all have a giggle because he misuses the product or the product doesn't work. But like, like it's a three second gag. We've been building up at this point for an hour and a half where the reveal is they needed the ruby to get the ice, to get the ice to the jello, to make the gelatin, to cause an earthquake to rob the bank. And, and at a certain point, you are overthinking your master plan if these are the steps that you're taking. Honestly, get a job. This, this level of crime is hard. It's just too hard. Even if it works, it's got too many moving parts, but even if it works, the amount of effort that you put into this, maybe just maybe just patent your laser that can cut glacial ice and sell that in Alaska. Um, that that could be how you make your money. Or or, you know, make Take this Jello and and sell Jello. I don't know, you guys. I don't know, you guys. This 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 might not be good. This might not be good. Also, Claudine has broken Donald Drake and Plato out of jail to further submit because he's mad at them. They foiled his crimes, and it's personal to him. Uh, even though, like, they're police officers, and he is a criminal. What what what? what like like you know. It's like the fire being mad at the firefighter. It's it's like that's what firefighters do. They fight fire. Don't burn down my house if you don't want to be fought. I don't I don't know. I don't know. Um, but Claudine's plan is defeated. Claudine goes to jail. Fat Cat gets away. We will never see Claudine again in the series, although Fat Cat will be the recurring villain, as will Professor Nimnal. And the gang decides to form a permanent team because they worked so well together. 
And it looks like their next case is going to happen. A little girl goes into the police station because her pet, her pet is missing. And it looks like that's going to be our next case, guys, which is a dramatic drop off in terms of intensity. Um, like they, they foiled this master plan to rob the bank. But next week, there's a cat up a tree and the rescue rangers have to figure out how to get it down, I guess. Um, and that is the plot structure for Chippendale's Rescue Rangers, colon, Rescue Rangers to the Rescue. All right, so the plot's not great. Maybe the characters are great. Spoiler, they are not. Uh, let's start with Chip. Um, so Chip is placed, look, so in the old Chippendale cartoons, Chip and Dale were pretty much Tweedledee and Tweedledum. They're both mischievous little chipmunks who, like, live in a tree, and either Donald Duck tries to cut down that tree or mine it for maple syrup, or it's Christmas and Pluto's mad because they're in there. And you get the sense that Chip is a little smarter than Dale, and Dale's a little goofier than Chip, but they are essentially like minor variations of the same person. Um, you, you don't ever really say what would Chip do, what would Dale do differently. They're the, they're a, they're a duo. They they do the same thing. But Chip is changed in this to be serious. He's wearing he's wearing like this jacket. Uh, he's wearing this like serious sort of Indiana Jones kind of uh, fedora hat. Like he's ready to be an action hero. Um, and I don't, I don't mind that. Chip is taking, Chip is taking this seriously. I infinitely prefer him to Dale in this series. But Chip comes with some serious baggage, which is that his voice is this high-pitched, really super squeaky kind of voice, which is like just like listening to like someone go like. In the old Chip and Dale cartoons, that was fine because they were never more than seven minutes. And they didn't do a lot of talking. Um, but but in this, where Chip is giving long, dramatic monologues about how someone has to stand up for the little guy, about how they need to believe in themselves. He's doing all of the inspiring leadership stuff. But a little bit of his voice goes a long way. And it is like nails on a chalkboard for me. I just wanted him to shut up. And, and, and yet, I infinitely preferred him to Dale, whose voice is also annoying, but in a, in a different kind of way. It's like a goofy kind of, like, annoying, which is fine. But Dale is wearing, like, a Hawaiian shirt, and he's just, he exists to make problems for Chip. Like, the, his, his function, he brings nothing to the crime fighting. So he you have to say, okay, he's there as comic relief. But but if we're trying to take this concept even a little bit seriously, I don't know why Dale, I don't know what Dale gets out of doing this. He doesn't really seem to care about fighting crime. He just wants to sing and dance. And this this kind of brings me to my standard Scooby-Doo complaint. And if you'll indulge me, I'll tell you my Scooby-Doo complaint. Shaggy and Scooby should seek new friends. The people they're hanging out with want to solve mysteries. Shaggy and Scooby do not want to do that. 
they should make other friends and hang out with the group that does the things that they like to do. And and here with, with Dale, I'm feeling the same way. Bring if in some way Dale's goofiness contributed to the success of the Rescue Rangers. If he was, you know, like an outside the box thinker. If like, you know, Chip takes things seriously, but like Dale like is able to snap him out and, and do morale stuff. There, there are ways to demonstrate that Dale actually brings value to this team. He does not. He's just annoying. And and I resent him. I resent him for slowing down this movie. This movie could have been 15 minutes. Chip had it solved. Um, it was done, you guys. Um, and Dale just continually, continually just is plot complication after plot complication to extend the narrative beyond any reasonable length. And then we have the new characters. We have Monterey Jack, um, who sort of has like a Han Solo arc in this. He's like, I, I'm a loner. I, I, I uh, travel the world. I never need anybody. Um, and, and we're, yet we're supposed to think because of this chance encounter with Chip Dale and the others that like, he realizes what he really wants is a family and that that family should be these two random chipmunks who pretty much forced him to help fight, fight crime. Uh, I mean, he's, so, he's sort of got like an adventurer kind of feel to him. Arguably he's there to be the muscle. He's much bigger than them, but he's not as big as fat cat. And this is also a G-rated show, so like he's never going to actually punch somebody. It's it's not going to happen. The combat sequences are not going to happen. Uh, I I kind of like the character. I think it's interesting that his flaw is that he's uh, addicted to cheese. Like if he smells cheese, like he's like he'll smell the scent lines of cheese, and his eyes will go cuckoo bananas his mustache will twist and turn he'll start floating he's got no self-control when it comes to cheese and this is like war on drugs time in the 1980s like we're really trying to fight like tell children not to be addicted to things and yet and yet we've got this weird like junky mouse in the middle of rescue rangers uh, who is taking no steps to get his addiction under control. And I guess we're supposed to laugh at it. But in the real world, um, Monterey Jack has a problem and he needs to go to rehab. He needs to take the steps to, to get himself better, to get clean of his drug of choice. And uh, and they, they never pick up on this storyline. It's just whenever you need Monterey Jack to screw up and make things harder... He smells cheese. Uh, we also get Zipper. A zipper is the bug. I also forget that Zipper exists because because he makes like a. First of all, he doesn't talk. He likes he buzzes, buzz, 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 which which great. Okay, sure. But like his uh, his ability is that he can fly, but he's also not strong enough to really carry the other characters because he's a bug and they're mice and chipmunks and all sorts of rodents, and he doesn't really do anything he's just there he's just there i don't get a sense of his personality he doesn't have a function for the team uh do not need him i do not need him uh the best character of the rescue rangers is gadget uh the inventing mice uh mouse 
Uh, she even has like a bit of a storyline where she talks about how her dad was an inventor and he's gone now. And when he's, she says gone now, like it's it's sort of tragic. The implication might be that he's dead, but maybe there's a story there. What happened to her dad? As far as I know, the series never picks up on this plot point, but she's created with sort of an air of mystery. She absolutely brings value to the team because she's the inventor. She's the engineer. She's she is the person who like takes up. She's the MacGyver of the bunch. She takes a bunch of common household objects and she's constantly turning them into inventions. And if I was just going to keep one of these one of these five characters, uh, I would keep Gadget. I think I think I think there's something to be said for that sort of Q character that she is. She's she's like. For, for she's the one she's the one who gives keeps them supplied. Uh, I also like that while Chip and Dale are doing a love triangle thing with her, she's not playing that game at all. She picks up on none of their clues, shows no interest in either one of them, um, and and refuses to be in that role. She's not she's 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 not playing them against each other. She doesn't care which one she ends up with. It's of no interest to her. And I suppose I should also talk about Fat Cat, uh, the villain, who's going to recur a bunch of times. Um, I don't like the name Fat Cat, um, uh, not just because there's like some shame about his body uh, implicit in that, but but also it it tells you how developed he is as a character, right? Like like it's an adjective that describes his physicality. Um, the real issue with Fat Cat, though, is he's a hand-me-down villain. Fat Cat is Plato's enemy. Uh, Fat Cat doesn't know Chippendale, doesn't know any of these characters. He's he's a cat. It's not personal between him and the Rescue Rangers. At least it wasn't in this. Um, I, I mean, his plan is terrible. Uh I don't know. I don't I don't have that much to say about him. He's just not interesting. I guess the next question on my outline, which is why is this so boring, uh, comes to what I was talking about a little bit in the fee, in the key facts. Chip and Dale don't need this. They don't need to be doing this. This is not what their characters were meant to do. Chip and Dale were created to be antagonists to Donald Duck and Pluto. They're there to annoy uh, people until they like burst out with anger. And that, that's fine. That's what they were meant. They were never meant to be seen for more than like five or six minutes at a time. They certainly weren't meant to be repurposed into fighting crime. Uh, I kind of wish actually that instead of using Donald Drake and Plato, that actually it was Donald Duck and Pluto. And that and that maybe Chip and Dale like are trying to get Donald Duck out of trouble because they know Donald Duck was framed. But really what that's saying to me is I'm looking for a character to root for, and I always root for Donald Duck. And I think it would I like I I'm I'm pushing it to be something that it's not a Donald Duck story. And obviously Donald Duck is appearing in DuckTales. Uh, and he he can't be appearing in this. Uh, but Chip and Dale have no stakes at this. The villains they're fighting are not their villains. It's Donald Drake's and Plato's villains. Uh, 
that there's no clear reason why they want to be rescue rangers other than that they think it's cool. Their characters don't really go through any sort of arc. There's nothing there's nothing in them. Uh, Chip gets annoyed at Dale, justifiably. Dale feels bad about it, but Dale's not going to change. And uh, honestly, honestly, it's just not there. Um, you know, the original characters, Monterey, Jack, and Gadget, are both more interesting than our title characters. And you'll notice over the course of this five-parter that Chip and Dale start doing less and less and less, and the screen time goes more to the supporting characters than it does to them. They, they fade into the background. And so the craft takeaway is this. It is better to create new characters than to repurpose other characters for things they were never meant to do. And in fact, what, what really I think makes me crazy is, look, I've, you know I also find the rescuers boring, but Bernard and Bianca were meant to be in a rescue something every time. You have other options at the Disney casting. You could go with the Great Mouse Detective. He would be fine for this. You could go with Timothy Mouse from Dumbo or Jiminy Cricket from Pinocchio, uh, who are also sort of like rescue rescuing kind of characters. Uh, you could include like, you, there's a lot of there's a lot of options for this. You don't have to go with Chip and Dale and take them out of their comfort zone and just hope that it's a success. Again, I'm wrong. This was a big success. I'm going to get angry emails from some of you that I clearly don't get Chip and Dale. But I will tell you this. If you watch the new movie that came out this past year, it is very telling that this new movie does a couple of things. Number one, it changes the voices of Chip and Dale so we don't have to listen to the annoying voices for the whole movie. Number two, it treats everything that happened in Rescue Rangers as if Rescue Rangers was a TV show rather than continuing with this Rescue Rangers actual premise. They're like, they don't want to use, they don't actually want to use the actual property. Fat Cat doesn't show up in this. Um, they, they, they don't, they don't, they don't want it to be that. They're trying to get away from it. Uh, Re the Rescue Rangers movie is a Who Framed Roger Rabbit sequel, way more than it actually is a sequel to Chip and Dale's Rescue Rangers. So, uh, pitch time. Uh, listen, they just did the movie, and I enjoyed the movie, and I, I think the movie is is worth your time if you've got it on Disney+. Plus. We're not going to be covering it anytime soon on the podcast, but but check it out. It's a good time. What would what would I do with these characters? I would fire them. Um, I I would make I would make I would make a great mouse detective series. I want Dawson and Basil every week taking cases, solving crimes. That's what I want, and I would bring Gadget into that too. Hey, she's a mouse. If we want to do a love interest thing that's within the species, where like Dawson secretly has a crush on Gadget, I think that would be adorable. Uh, we could get Olivia Flaversham back in that too. I, I would love to see those characters again. They're designed for this. They are meant to be tackling the crimes that the human world can't handle. And so that's my pitch. Uh, you take Rescue Rangers and you turn it into a Great Mouse Detective series. Uh, that That's what I want. All right. So next time I do a bonus episode, which hopefully is far in the future, 
Uh, I have watched almost all of Gummy Bears. All I have left is the two-parter King Igthorn, and that's what I'll cover next time I do a bonus episode. I'm so excited. That, that one will not be snarky because I legit loved Gummy Bears this go-round. I think it was a great series. Uh, so this was a rant. That one will probably be a rave. Uh, if if you are uh, want to get in touch with us, let us know how we did. Please check out our Once Upon a Disney podcast Facebook page. Uh, you can tweet us at Andy Redwine or me at Larry Brenner 6. Or you could drop us a line in our mailbag at onceuponadisneypodcast at gmail.com. So until next time, friends, see you real soon. <laughs>